what it takes to create a writing career, then tune in and take notes because on Simply Write, we talk about the writer's craft and the qualities and quirks of living a writer's life. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Simply Write with Polly. This is the podcast where we talk about crafting a writing career and living a writer's life. And today we're talking about a couple of things that have been super important to me throughout my career. And right now, in fact, as I go through another transition, but these are things I never would have thought of at the beginning. And had I, it would have helped me a whole lot. And, you know, writers have to be entrepreneurs if you're going to make a career make money from this and a sustainable career then you have to be agile and you have to continue to develop your skills into a diverse writing skill set and a diverse business set and i'll give you an example and and probably our guest coming up jen singer can relate to this but when i started this career there was um no internet right i didn't have to write for the web because there was no web and now it's almost all of what I do. So we've got a writer on the show who I think exemplifies this kind of diverse skill set, this kind of agility, uh, modifying and growing as her career moves forward. And that is Jen Singer. Jen is here. Hi, Jen. Hi, it's so good to be back. And yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I started my company in 2003. There was no Facebook. There was no, there was none of this stuff. It, it has changed and I'll, I'm one of the ones and we're going to get into it with you because you're one of the original ones, the original bloggers. But when I came into blogging, you know, it was dragging my feet. I'm never going to blog. You know, it's not going to turn into anything. Yeah. And oh, my goodness, I get paid to blog for other people. So Jen Singer is a writer and editor who has appeared in numerous media, including the CBS Evening News, The Wall Street Journal and Good Housekeeping. She's among the original mom bloggers, the author of five parenting books and the author of the Just Diagnosed Guides for New Patients and the People Who Love Them. You're a ghostwriter, Jen, and you're a developmental editor and you're a writing coach. So you you can speak to a lot of the things we're going to talk about today. Yes. Uh, and I love all three of those. And sometimes I like one more than the other. <laughs> sometimes I like margaritas over beer. So that's fair. Jen, we open every show with a segment that we call the dailies because a writing career isn't only about the writing and it's time for the dailies. What does your schedule look like today? Today, okay, so um, for some reason, I wake up at six o'clock in the morning, which would have been handy when my kids were really little. <laughs> but no, it's God's joke on mothers that when they move out of the house, your body wakes up at six o'clock in the morning. So I'm usually in my office by 730, which is actually a habit I got into when my kids were in high school. It was that was their schedule. So I start at 730. And I usually do the things that require the most creativity first when I'm freshest um you know I'll, uh, I'll write something fresh like ghostwriting um maybe some heavy editing but I know the rhythm of my day I've got to get that stuff done in the beginning because after lunch I'm going to be useless yeah when it comes to writing that's how I am too and my day looks like that I I come in when my daughter goes to school and today I revised a chapter that I promise I've been re revising for like six months and I just, dang, it's just, uh, I can't, it's just a slog. Today I'm not even positive about it. It's just hard, but you sit down and do it. And then I wrote my newsletter. I get to visit with you. And then uh, such as the writer's life, 
we are having, um, we had a bathroom issue, meaning a pipe exploded in our bathroom (laughs) and the contractors are starting out tomorrow. So it's the bathroom where our walk-in closet, near in our master where our walk-in closet was. And Uh so we're having to redo all that too. So I will finish cleaning out the closet at the end of my day today, which, you know, it's always that hot and cold thing. Like I'm grateful for the flexible schedule. It's one of the great joys of Mm. the writing life. I I love being in charge of my schedule, but if you're not working, you're not making money and it's hard to focus and it's those other things. So it's that balancing act. I, I get to do it all, but then you have to do it all right? <laughs> well, yeah. So now I'm I'm going to go early with the Springsteen quote. So this, this time I'm going to quote Steve Van Zandt. He, uh, he said that a writer is always writing. And yeah. I, I think that that is true. So when I, af- this afternoon, start running out of steam around 2.30, 2, 2.30, I'm going to go get on my bike and I'm going to ride to UPS to return a dress. <laughs> and along the way, I'm going to think of clever things to write. Uh, you just you're mulling things over in your head all the time. You you never stop working. Steve Van Zandt is right. Isn't that right? I, I even this morning when I was doing my morning pages, I wrote down a couple of questions I had about something I'm working on. And that's like that is now a very conscious thing. When I go to clean that closet, those mm. are the things that will be floating around in my head. And I've learned to use that all the time. You're absolutely right. You're 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 never not writing. You're never not writing. And those are the daily. All right. On that note, though, Jen, uh, that how do you, how have you come to writing? Is, has this been a career path for you since the get go? I know you had little kids for a time and, and that evolved into the parenting books and so forth. How did this happen for you? So originally, I thought I was going to go into advertising. I did go into advertising. I uh, majored in mass communications with a concentration in advertising at Boston University, where we had a student-run ad agency. And I thought I was going to be a writer. And I wound up being the vice president of account services. I was in charge of everyone. I was in charge of all the account people everyone. (laughs) And it suited me well. Uh, I I went into advertising, became an account coordinator and later an account executive, but I missed the creative side of things. So at the time, this was now the early nineties, my cousin's band was playing here (laughs) in New Jersey and I created a newsletter for them and I helped them uh, on interviews with, you know, local newspapers and music venues and uh, I can't even say websites there weren't any so um I, I think that the writer in me needed to write and eventually I left advertising and became a freelance writer I love how people start out because if you're if you're meant to do this work if you're able to do this work it kind of lands on you you kind of find your way to it i think and and those are the people too that i i find last in the in the business they figure out the way to keep going right because it's not all just about banned newsletters right <laughs> i mean you you expanded beyond that <laughs> and you know what i see my son doing it now so school of visual arts class of 2020 he was an illustration major he is making a go of being a freelancer and he is nonstop creating and figuring out what hits. He created a comic strip uh, for car nerds that had uh, 7 million people share it. 
Awesome. So he figured it out because I think he just has to. He's been drawing since he drew killer whales for his entire first grade class. This is just who he is. Yeah, I've seen some of his work and it's awesome. And I shared that. But does he still work at him and give him a plug? Is that Nick? Yeah, that's Nick. Yeah, Nick. Okay, Nick the illustrator. Check out his work. Does he still do the car comic strip? He still does the car yeah. comic strip. I, and I then love he that. He I'm has not a car person. I just thought it was cool. <laughs> it, because it has a universal humor to it that he's figured out and he's very funny. So you can you can find him on Instagram at the back lot. And uh it's I mean, some of it is is car nerd humor. I don't completely I won't call it car, <laughs> car nerds, nerd car humor. enthusiasts <laughs> that I don't understand. And some of it I I get it immediately. He's just a funny kid. That's great. <laughs> I, but that's what it takes, right? You're he, you know, he's wired this way. You obviously mm -hmm. have been too. So it must just be all smooth and easy. You have business dropping in your lap, right? You've had an easy time your whole career. It has been 30 <laughs> years of just one giant piece of cake. So easy, yeah, Polly. Yeah, Nothing that's what ever I've goes heard. wrong. That's yeah. what I've heard from other writers. Really, how do you last? You heard me at the top of the show talking about agility. I've seen you take personal experiences and work them into um, material that has sold. <laughs> it, I, I mean, all of the stuff over the years we've known each other. Is that what it takes now to, to be a professional writer? Uh, you know what, honestly, I've had, you know, from my health experience, I've had some pretty crappy things happen to me. And if I can't turn that into fodder for something <laughs> else, what is the point? <laughs> it, it just, what it comes down to is whatever happens to me, whether it was motherhood and the things that happened during then or uh, my health issues, I know that I'm getting experience that can help somebody else. And all I want to do is make other people feel less lonely. And so I have the experience and the uh, the talent to do that in ways that other people don't. Well, you have the drive to do it too. Even when you've been ill, you you haven't been just sitting around like not, I mean, you've been developing the material and finding ways to take notes and pay attention. And it, it's the energy of a writer that takes a lot, especially when you're not feeling good. Yeah, you know, I, I probably would have pushed back on that, except for right now, uh, I'm getting Facebook is sending me my memories from 2020. <sighs> When I was in quarantine with a brand new pacemaker and I was freaking writing all the time. What was I doing? I think part of it is it, you work it out for yourself. And, uh, you know, emotionally, that's how I work things through. And at the same time, I wanted to connect with other people who were terrified of COVID and terrified of what was happening to me. And this was a way to deal with it. Yeah, and it's effective. And that's what I was thinking of all those posts, but, but that material really transitioned into something important. And I, th I think that's it. I mean, writing for me is the process first. It's the kind of like, oh, shit, let's figure this out. But then there's some material that comes from that, that I hope can help other people like this podcast. Like, these are the things I struggle with. And I think about yeah. so if if it gives another writer a leg up, I'm all for it. And I think that's what writing I think that's writing at its best, it should be connective, no matter what you're doing. And, I, um, and that goes for both nonfiction and fiction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think in order to do that job, then you've got to make money at it. So it sustains more writing. That's, that's what I think people forget about. Like, this isn't something Jen doesn't go home every night after her bike ride to UPS and 
have such an exciting morning and have everything just appear. But but you work at it then. How when you're getting those ideas in the thick of whatever it is, the the parenting, the illness, the the just the drag of it, how do you keep going? How do you know how to call that material and think, oh, I'm gonna come back to this. This might be something. I don't know how to answer that because I didn't thought everybody felt that way. I just have to do it. It's just part of my DNA. And I think that any creative would agree. This is something I have to do. And even when, even with the things that aren't about my life and my own personal experience and my own books, even for my clients and the things that I write for them, I'm thinking about them. I read articles and send them to them say, oh, this is, you know, I have a cryptocurrency client right now. And so I send her articles about cryptocurrency and I get interested in things. I don't, I never stop reading. I read all kinds of things on the internet, all kinds of books. I listen to all kinds of podcasts, including yours. Because the more you know, uh, the better you are as a writer, both for you and for your clients. Yeah, I think there has to be that element of curiosity because you have to know a lot. You have to know a little about a lot of stuff so you can translate it into the readers, into the audience and for your clients whatever it is you're working on. When you start writing, I, I know you said you write in the morning. Do you sit down and just throw up what you know? Are you revising? Are you writing new material every day and then going back over it? What does that look like for you? It depends on whose project I'm working on. So, um, you know, this week I have um, two book proposals that I'm working on. I'm that nerd who loves to do book proposals. I just like the marketing side of it and figuring out where the message is compared to everything else that's out there. And also I like the writing part. So I do a lot of book proposals. And so I have two of those that I'm working on this week. And then I had a class come through for heroic public speaking that I do work for. So I had to edit their, not edit, but review their speeches and then give them feedback on that. Um, and I, what's the other thing? Oh, I have my own, I have to edit my own, uh, just diagnosed books are coming out in print and I had to review the layouts. How do you know how to do all this? I mean, you, you write books, <laughs> you ghost write books, you have a lot of client relationships, you have to learn that business. Maybe that came a little yeah. bit from your advertising days in college. Uh, you, you write blogs, you write corporate material for I mean, how do you know? How have you grown over these years? Where's your education coming from at this point? So, yeah, I mean, I graduated from college in 1989. So I'm sure whatever I learned from that <laughs> was the foundation of it, but it is not informing my everyday experience right now. Uh, I read a ton and I watch a lot of um, Netflix and Hulu. I know that sounds like I'm wasting my time. No, but I'm right there. No. I'm right there. There's so much good storytelling going on right now and like shows like Succession and Beef and what. And I, so you learn how to do dialogue. You learn how to set up structure. It's like having a master class if you pay attention to it properly, what works and what doesn't work. It'll ruin everything for you. You can't watch crap after that. Um because it just you just can't stand stilted dialogue. <laughs> uh, you can't stand that they dropped the theme and went somewhere else. It'll drive you nuts. But that it, there's so much good stuff to watch right now. It there's no end to it. I we're watching. We just finished beef in this household, and I mm. actually at one point 
took my notebook out because I could, it was astounding to me, the pacing of that, how slow and yet how much was happening. And so my husband said I ruined it for him because I was sitting over there scrawling my notes and I'm but you're right. I mean, that pay attention to what you're taking in and what you don't like too. And, and I'm a nonfiction writer. I'm also working on fiction, but, <laughs> but I think it's essential for nonfiction writing as well as fiction. Nonfiction is storytelling too. Yeah. It's specific details. And it, it, it is listening to how people talk and the cadence and the pacing. And, and of course you have the facts and, and the teaching in there or the entertaining through that, which is super important, the truth of it, but it still is the craft of good. You still need to write well. You need to write well and you need to write for the type of project you're doing. So when I was, I was first a student at Heroic Public Speaking and I thought, I don't need to do the writing part. I'm a writer. I don't need to learn this. And then I wrote an essay instead of a speech because I only knew how to write for the page and not for the stage. And I had to figure it out. And so now I help other people write for the stage and not the page. It's more like um, at being at a cocktail party where you're chatting with somebody and other people are listening in. Mm. That is really what writing for the stage is. It is not the same thing as writing for the page where you have um, you can write longer sentences with bigger words and it should sound like you talk, but smarter. Mm, I love that. And you can get paid to write speeches, right? Yeah, I've ghostwritten quite a few speeches. Yeah. Um, and I've also done writing coaching and I've also done developmental editing for speeches. It's, it's, it's among that and books are my two favorites to do. Yeah. Yeah. I've written a couple of speeches and I love them too. Um, and I, I like writing podcasts because I think you can uh, reach the reader or the listener in a completely unique way that, uh, that's really fun to try. And I think what I'm hearing from you and what I've heard so much on the show is there is writing to be done and writing you can get paid for, but you want to keep taking the heroic speaking classes. You want to keep dissecting the shows and you want to keep reading and training yourself along the way. So you have more to bring and that makes you more hireable. You're going to make more money in the long run or some money, right? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, because you understand how different things must be written. I, I mean, tweets. Tweets are actually, if you can get it down to 260 characters, and that's more than we used to have, um, then you can write tight if you can write a lot of good tweets. It's tweets all good. are so hard for me. Writing short is so yeah. hard, isn't it? And writing short well, it's one of the hardest things I ever do. No, I love it. You know they call me Machete Jen. <laughs> yeah. See, this is why you need a developmental editor, though, because I'll get yeah. over that throat clearing, send your stuff to Jen, and, and wade through to the story. Get there. That's what we care about at the end, the story. That's often what I see in speeches is that they start in the wrong place. And then I, I go oh. down two or three paragraphs and I find where they really need to start. That's interesting. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about that. When we come back, we're going to take a short break. When we come back with author, speaker, speech writer, ghost writer, development on too much, Jen, you do it all. We're going to come back with Jen Singer right here on Simply Write with Paul. Life is hard, but finding a really great podcast makes the days go by so much easier. Hi, my name is Blue Tulusma. 
I'm a writer, an emotional intelligence coach, and the host of Humanize with Bluetooth Musma, a podcast where we believe that when you humanize everyone in the room, a great conversation is almost guaranteed. Join us every week here on Electricast as me and my guest co-hosts unpack big topics and interview even bigger personalities with a sense of humor and a dash of mischief. If you're looking for a new best friend in your head, we've got you covered. Welcome back to Simply Write with Paula and Jen Singer today. We're talking about creating a writing, a sustainable writing career by using our agility, our creativity, our diverse skills, honing them as we go so that we can do a lot of things and stay relevant in the market, which is ever changing. But there is a market out there, isn't there, Jen? I mean, you're making a living at this. I am for people that are willing to get creative and and look at what uh, corporate corporations need and CEOs need and authors want. And there's chances there to create an income from writing. You can also, you can reinvent yourself, which is what I've done several times. Um, And I was going through a divorce 10 years ago. I needed some more regular work and I uh, subscribed to a newsletter by a company called Hired Guns in New York. And uh, one of their clients, which was a major hospital, was looking for medical writers. Now I'm not a medical, I wasn't a medical writer at the time, but I was doing some writing about cancer, which I had had in 2007 for magazines. So I gave it a shot and I got it and wound up writing for their website on, it was originally supposed to just be pediatric oncology, but apparently I got good at this. And they said, here's adult oncology, here's cardiology, here's I, I, I urology, you name it. I met urologists at seven o'clock in the morning to talk about all kinds of things that no one else wants to talk about. (laughs) And uh, I reinvented myself and I did it by reading what other websites have done, uh, researching, learning how to read medical research papers. I already knew how to talk to doctors because I've been talking to them for years um, and, you know, how to make is is kind of like having to talk to the in some for some of them talking to the with the difference of talking to the queen. Um, <laughs> and others are not like that, but, uh, you know, to get the best out of them. So um, you can learn anything and it makes it interesting if you keep changing things. up. Yeah, it makes it so interesting. One of my best jobs ever. I was a young writer and I went to a writing workshop and they had a free critique there that nobody else wanted to do and i did it and the person that critiqued my work ended up hiring me a year later when i went full-time freelance because she remembered and she liked the work and she was a newspaper editor and you know another one of my jobs um ended up i was working for a corporation that provides uh caregiving to older adults and they i was doing some online writing for them they came back and had me write their training guide for caregivers. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot about senior caregiving. And guess what? That's a useful skill right now in this in this generation, this demographic. And it was super interesting, because it was something I'd never known. And writing a manual is a completely different experience than writing yeah. a book or an article. It was just uh, open yourself up to the possibility. And I wasn't always there when I started. I came out with a journalism degree and dang it, it was going to look just like this. And um, 
things change quite a bit, but that's been the fun part. Do you think you need a, a degree or a college education in some form of writing, or can you make it go just by doing what we're talking about, exploring the writing world? I think it doesn't hurt to have one, and it certainly opens up doors at the beginning of your career, but a good writing is good writing. That's the nice thing about what we do is people can you can show samples of what you can do. However, don't fall back on that. Don't mm. fall back on the clip because what's equally important to the people who are hiring you is how easy you are to work with. Do you get things in on time? Are you going to be a prima donna or are you going to disappear on them? These things are from reputation building, but the more relationships you build, the the more people will come back to you over and over again, Absolutely. just for that part. This is the entrepreneurship, any yeah. business you're doing, right? I've, I got a job once because I called when I said I was going to, and I checked in, I said, I'll call you on Tuesday. And she told me straight up, well, you know, sure. As long as you're following up, turn in your work on time, whether, whether it's flexible or not, meet your deadlines. Those things go a long way to getting repeat work. And um, that makes all the difference in a long career. I, most of the work comes from people that I've worked with before, friends who know what I can do because they've referred me before, whatever it is, make those relationships healthy by doing a good job. What are you doing next? Do you have your next project in mind? Are you working more? How are you getting your ghostwriting client, ghost clients? Is, is that something you're developing? Where do you go now? Yeah, so I'm trying to have um, a balance of things. The ghostwriting, which of course, you know, you're ghostwriting a book that takes a long time. I'm a pretty quick writer, so I get them done faster. And I'm, as I said before, the nerd who likes to write book proposals. So when they sell them, they like to come back to me and have me write the book. Um, there's that. I also love writing coaching because that's teaching. So there's a certain amount of that, that one of the book proposals that I'm working on now is actually a writing coaching project where I'm helping her to write it. And it's, it's very enjoyable. And then editing, you know, anyone needs machete, Jen, I'm here. I'll edit anything. Um, Be brave. But, but I, I, I'm, you asked me what I'm doing next and, and looking at the rest of the year, I'm probably on the verge of getting one or two big book projects coming through, uh, depending on how those sell um, or if those sell. And then I will continue to do some teaching and I will be working on my own just diagnosed books, which are coming out in print and will go on Amazon and we're going to try and sell them in bulk. So I'm going to put a little bit more effort into those and building an audience for that and hopefully someday having my own podcast. Well, all right, let's talk about that. I think that'd be interesting and fabulous. Um, do you, are you independently publishing the Just Diagnosed books? Yeah, these are teeny tiny little books. So they're 10,000 to 15,000 words, full color, uh, except on Kindle, obviously. And so there's no spine. So even though they have ISBN numbers, which I assign to them, no bookstore is going to take mm. them. The, hmm. the, the sales for these are probably most likely going to be in bulk to like an association or to um, uh, maybe a hospital, uh, but groups like that, that uh, want to 
share with their audience either um, specifics about how to be sick or how to support someone who's sick because those are the two anchor books. And then I have specific books on um, just diagnosed uh, heart failure and some other, I'm going to, I'm working on a cancer one. So um, the, those are self-published because there really isn't a place for them in traditional publishing. And there's a place for them everywhere else in society. Isn't that ironic? I mean, these are the books we need. I've, I've read one. Uh, we've talked about it on Simply Said. You can go back and listen to the episode with Jen when we talked about how to be sick, how to talk to doctors, how to navigate the medical system and the crap that comes with it. I mean, there's enough to worry about when you're not feeling good, when you have COVID or cancer or something else. And so go check that out. What I think is interesting about that, it goes back to what you were saying about everything is material and using your experiences to help others through the writing. I mean, hopefully this will sell some books and, and make some income, but it also is helping a lot of people, which I think is really our responsibility as writers. We have this tool, we can do this. We've got to put stuff out in the world that's going to change it for the better, I think. Even that's just, even if it's just to make someone's day better, to make them Absolutely. laugh or whatever, it doesn't have to be, you know, a how-to book. It can be all kinds of things, just like lying in bed, watching Netflix at night. It's entertaining. Yeah. yeah my, my last book, You Recharge, came out from that. I was sitting on the couch feeling very sorry for myself and... I figured other people might be feeling sorry for themselves. So I started a, a deep dive into what vitality is, how we can reclaim it, wrote a book about it. And um, and I figure if it helps me, you know, hopefully there's other people having the same experience and we can connect in those ideas. So the point is you do a lot of different projects at one time. Do you set things out when you get a ghostwriting book? Are you going to focus only on that book and go straight through? Or will you be juggling the just diagnose guides and, and the other projects you're doing at the same time? No, no, I'm always juggling. I'm always doing several things at once. <laughs> you know, I can write um, you know, ghost write a book. I'm not going to do that for six hours a day. So I'm going to work on that in the morning when I'm really creative and then move on to other things. I also just think it's smart to have multiple streams of income coming in. And if 2020 taught us anything, it was that. What's in the desk now? Every week we talk about something that you like to have around you when you write. Could be a cup of coffee. I have my cup of coffee. I have my favorite fountain pen today. It's a sailor. I'm good. What What's in your desk, Jen? Okay. So I have a notebook uh, that is always, it's a spiral notebook. It's always opened and flat. And that's where I write at the top, almost like a bullet journal, what has to be done for that day and then cross it out as I finish it. If I don't finish it, it gets carried over to the next day. I also write all of my notes down on this and I keep these forever, which is really interesting to go back and see the things that I was working on. When I look back to 2007, when I had cancer, there would be, these are the projects that I was working on. And then um, there would be a note about having to set up chemo and then there would be the oh. lineup for my son's soccer team. It's just sort of like a snapshot yeah. of what was going on because I was coaching. <laughs> it was a snapshot oh of what was going <laughs> I on. I that too. <laughs> wow. So it's kind of like a journal. It's your to-do list, but it's kind of like a journal in the end too. It's a, yeah, it's a little bit of both. 
and I think it keeps me honest too, because it's very easy to just put down the things that are going to make you money right away. But you have to take the time to build things that are going to make you money later. And you have to, that's including redoing your website or sending out letters of introduction or, and you know, in my case, writing these books that are only now coming out that I've been doing for months now. So you, you have to write those down because those count too. And if you see that you're carrying them over from one day to the next and not doing them, you're not doing yourself any any good. You won't that, grow. That's such an important point. And I have to remind myself of that all right now, because I'm doing a lot of things that I'm developing that I'm really excited about, but I'm seeing my monthly paycheck dwindling, right? And I'm starting to get panicked. The one benefit of having done this as long as I have is that I know it comes back around if I keep yep. laying the groundwork. So if you're just entering this profession, have faith, trust in yourself, trust in the work, but then show up every day at work because you do need to put things out. I talk about this with my son all the time. He's moved out, Nick, but he comes home once a week and we have dinner together and we talk business. And we talk about this where in your gut, you know something is about to happen. You can feel it and you get little signs like a, a you know, a like from somebody on Instagram who matters or uh, um, email from somebody or you see feedback that you didn't normally get. And it's like, I, I call it, it's like the universe throwing you a bone that you're on the right path and you need to learn to trust those things and identify which ones are correct and which ones are not. And then you'll know whether or not mm. to stay on the path. It's just the entrepreneur's gut. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I call it that too. The universe is speaking to me. And last week I was going to drop a project because I figured it didn't matter and blah, blah, blah. And that day I got two comments from readers who told me that it mattered to them. And I thought, oh, dang it. Okay, here we go again. <laughs> but yes, you got to listen to that. Jen Singer, you got a lot going on. And I know because you, you've mentioned to me also, you really like to work with writers and coach writers. How does that happen? What is that relationship like? How can somebody find you and, and talk to you about that relationship? So you can stop by jen-singer.com and you'll read all about me and the types of work that I do. Most of the projects I work on, as I said before, are speeches and books. So if if you're a writer who has never written a book and wants some coaching, I'm here to up-level you. And same thing with a speech. It is not an essay. I know this from experience. <laughs> <laughs> it is different. So I'm, I'm here to help coach you, or I could take what you've written and go through it as Machete Jen, if you are uh, strong enough to handle that. And um, it, it winds up being a great relationship because you learn more and you up-level more. Listen, if you're going to survive in this career at all, you need to have great professionals around you. And that means great editors, great agents, great coworkers, colleagues, people you reach out to on Facebook, whatever, who know about the writing business and a good editor, one who you like, but also knows their stuff will make you so much better for sure. I, I've been... I think my career is because of some of the great editors I've worked with. They've, it, it's been the difference. So go to Jen, check out what she does. And if you have an idea in mind, um, it's, it's worth your time, I think, to, to figure out how to develop that. 
Uh, you can find my book, You Recharged, wherever books are sold. And join us at the simplywrite.substack.com community, where we talk more about these things, how to get through the day, how to form a writing career, how I'm making it. Some days are better than other days. I'll tell you about those too. In any event, check it out. Become part of the writing community because the writing uh, community is important to help you persist. Jen, thanks for being here. Holly, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. For me too. And remember, writers, as you go throughout the week, author Jennifer Weiner says it this way, the difference between people who believe they have books inside of them and those who actually write books is sheer cussed persistence. The ability to make yourself work at your craft every day, the belief even in the face of obstacles that you've got something worth saying. So sit down this week, writers, and simply write. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.